In the, in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, the great God who was to come, and he has come to seek and to save that which was lost, we're grateful to him for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Fahd Muhammad, the great Mahdi, to whom praises forever due. We thank him for his search, his, his diligent search among us, searching far and wide, searching near and far, trying to find the right vessel, the right individual. And in the Quran it says, Allah knows best where to place his message. And he found the best one among us, the one who would be most receptive to not only carrying it, but also the dissemination of it. He had a weighty word, heavy, but his ability, past tense and present tense, to carry it justifies his wise choice. Back in the 1970s and, and before, the believers would refer to him as the messenger of Allah. But in the intervening time period, we've, we've come to look deeper and clearer into the revealed word of God. And so, although he did bring a message, but we see him as more than that. And we recognize that he is that exalted Christ that you read about in the Bible and in the Quran. And I'm speaking of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. But I wouldn't know either one of them were not for a brother, really, who has been a wonderful help of ours, who has been, without any question, a very faithful servant to the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, yes, who I believe that when all is said and done, and the history is written about this time, about this period of profound controversy and upheaval in the human family, that the consensus will be that he was and is the champion of the oppressed, not just here in America, but throughout the globe. And I'm speaking of the Honorable Mr. Farrakhan. It's in their names I greet you, my family, the people of God, with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Well, how is everyone? Good. It's good to see you all. And, well, one, although you have to take it with a grain of salt because it's, it's Phoenix, um, the weather isn't as brutal as it was. We went through something unprecedented. The kind, I mean, it, the globe was being lit up, and experiencing things, and, and we don't know. And so if you've noticed what in the news, they have been talking so much about these flying phenomenon. And so the Congress and the news media, everyone's talking about it. Every, and then for those who don't really know, it becomes a source of profound insecurity. Well, what is this? Are these people, does this represent some kind of foreign um, presence on the planet? 
is this really now the fulfillment of what I used to see on cartoons, that there are these little green men from Mars, and they visit us on planet Earth? And so people don't know. And, and they're looking for some insight. They're looking for some guidance. So what I would like to do is I would like to share, if I can, if Allah would bless me, to share some, some, a very important question that God asks his people. The Savior told us, ask questions and learn all about yourself. There's a wisdom when you ask questions. And if you ask wise questions, they will yield a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. And so the Savior would ask us a lot of questions. And he would ask us through his servant, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, he would ask us questions like this. Well, who is the original man? That's a question. Who is the colored man? That's a question. What is the population of the original nation in the wilderness of North America and all over the planet Earth? That's a question. And he would ask us all of these questions. And these questions would yield, the answers would yield tremendous wisdom, tremendous knowledge. And then throughout the Quran, he would ask the people, he would ask the righteous, he would ask six people, he would ask the wicked, he would ask the disbelievers, he would ask the hypocrites, he would ask them all questions. And then there were these questions he would ask that there were three, or at least three, I think there may be four, but three I can remember that all were kind of the same. He would ask, what is the matter with you? So one, he asked, what is the matter with you that you hope not greatness from Allah? That's a question. Another question he asked, what is the matter with you? How do you judge? And then another similar question he asked, what is the matter with you that you help not one another? What's the matter with you? Now, sometimes we ask that same question to each other. Sometimes people that we know would do something and say something that's so incomprehensible. They, some action before us seems to make absolutely no sense. It defies all degree of reasoning and rationality. And in a moment of absolute perplexity, we ask them the question, what is the matter with you? Why are you doing this? So sometimes, you know, Sally Mae, here you, there's this man who is unfaithful. Not only is he unfaithful, he's abusive. Not only is he abusive, he ain't got no job. Now he ain't got no job, but he spent all your money. And those who love you, your friends and your family, they ask you, Sally Mae, what is the matter with you? Why you keep going back to that man? True?
Well, see, when we ask that question, it's because we don't understand. When we ask that question, it's because we are confronted with something that makes absolutely no sense to us. But now, when Allah asks that question, he's the best knower. He knows everything. So when he asks, what is the matter with you? He's not asking because he's looking for some answer. When he asks that question, what is the matter with you? What he hopes to do is to inspire, solicit introspection that those that he's asking this will start now to look deep within themselves and to now look and to see, okay, well, maybe something is wrong here. Right. What is the matter with you that you help not one another? Now, see, that suggests that to help each other, that's the natural order of things. So if you are healthy, if we are reflectors of that which is of God and divine and we are living ourselves, then we automatically, naturally help one another. But if we've been made other than ourselves, if we've been made now into something else, well now the idea of helping each other becomes foreign to us. It becomes alien to us. And he asked ask the question, well, what's the matter with you that you don't help one another? Did you see? I know you did. You saw. Did you saw what happened in Alabama? Did you see that? You see your response? Every one of you responded like that. Why? What, what, what was it about that that solicited profound, visceral response on the part of our people? I was watching, I was looking on Facebook, and there was a brother, it, and I can't think of a better, if I'm, if I'm being disrespectful, I don't know, but a brother who clearly, from the hood, Every other word was MF and S and dropping F-bombs. But he was like feeling that. He was like, see, black folk coming together. He was using his language, but it was unmistakably clear he was feeling that. He expressed it in his unique way, and you expressed it in yours, but black people all over the planet were moved by that. A brother who's become a celebrity among black people is that brother who swam across in the water. He's a hero in the black community. I think, I, I think he was featured as someone interviewed, brother, I think, right? And so my brother swam across the water. Now, if you know swimming, it takes away, I mean, it's an endurance exercise. And brother wasn't just casually swimming. Brother, he was moving. 
And when he got to the shore and got out, he went, he went trying to rest. He didn't have to take a breather. My brother was willing to deal. And not only willing to deal, he was dealing, brother. My security guard, brother, that who they was beating up, he did something. I don't know what it meant, but he took his hat off, threw it up in the air. I don't know if that means, I'm not quite sure what it means. But, but evidently it means it's hopping now. <laughs> evidently, man, that was a rallying call. Because black folk came from all over in response. And why did you respond the way you responded? Because you saw black folk helping one another. True. And they were dealings. I saw my sisters. Some of them had fingernails going up the yang-yang. But they was throwing haymakers. I saw Karen and Wendy over there acting like they want to do something. And LaQuisha, and, and they was getting busy. True? And my one brother, he, uh, he made folding chairs now. So Bruce Lee thought he had something with nunchucks. My brother took a folding chair and was starting waylaying on people. What, what, what made you respond the way you responded? And if you listen to those who are recording, they weren't like, see, y'all need to stop now. That wasn't their spirit. Their spirit was like, kick this so-and-so-and-so. Their response was like, y'all deserve this. True? So when you start seeing us helping one another, see, that's a sign that there's, the dead is now coming to life. When you start seeing us now, this becomes the worst, the worst nightmare to our enemies. The Quran says retaliation is prescribed for you. See, white folk put fear in us and made us afraid to retaliate. But on that day, black folk weren't afraid taking their shirt off. The police right there. Did you see them? Police right there. They didn't care. <laughs> see? In our lessons, we're told that the sword was placed on top of the flag. And we're told that it was the emblem of justice. And it was used by the original man in Muhammad's time. Well, dear family, today is Muhammad's time, and this is the day of justice. Ain't no more walking in and pleading in. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, male for male, female for female. See, you take my eye, I take yours. You kill my cat, I kill your dog. Yes. 
back trying to plead to white folk to stop being white folk. That don't work with them. What works with them when they see you retaliate? That ease up. Because these niggers, they get nobody now. What is the matter with you? That you help not one another. Well, why, what, why wouldn't we help each other? I mean, what was the barrier that stopped us or prevented us or was a challenge for us helping one another? Well, you know, the, in our history, there would be those who would rise among us who would help, but then things would happen. So my, my dear sister Harriet Tubman, she would help us. She was called the Black Moses. And she would help. And she said, I could have freed even more if they knew they were slaves. And there was another element that became a challenge for us helping one another. So when, when the slaves decided it was either time to revolt or time to flee, you had niggers. Uncle Tom's, Uncle Thomas's in the ranks who would go to the slave master and they would then turn, betray the legitimate aspirations for those to be free. There was something internal among us and present day that is a barrier for us to help one another. What, what is the matter with you? That, that you don't help one another. What's the matter? Help is big with God. It's big. So Allah says in the Quran, he says it like this. If Allah helps you, there's none that can forsake you. And if Allah forsakes you, there ain't no man that can help you. Allah says in the Quran, here, he says, do you think that you'll enter the garden and there's not yet befallen you the like which befell those who passed away before you? Distress and affliction befell them and they were shaken violently. So the messenger and those who believed with him, they said, when will Allah's help come? Now surely Allah's help is nigh. Oh, you who believe, shall I lead you to a merchandise which will deliver you from a painful chastisement? That you should believe in Allah and his messenger and strive hard in Allah's way with your wealth and your lives. That's better for you, did you but know. He will forgive your sins and cause you to enter gardens where rivers flow and goodly dwellings and, uh, and gardens of perpetuity. And yet another blessing that you love. Help from Allah and a victory near at hand. Oh, you who believe. So Allah says, when Allah's help and victory comes, and you see men entering the religion of Allah and company, Allah says, has the righteous give a prayer. And in that prayer, they say, our Lord, pour out patience on us and make our feet firm and help us against the disbelieving people. 
help is given all through the scriptures. Allah said he's going to help his. And for those whom Allah's wrath is brought down, he tells them for them, they'll have no friends, no helpers. So for those that God is angry with, he takes away his help. Those with whom he has favor, he gives them help. And those of us who pray, so we pray to Allah every day. We say to him, in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, praise belongs to Allah, the Lord of all the worlds, the beneficent, the merciful, master of the day of judgment in which we now live. Thee alone do we worship, and thee alone do we beseech for help. We all need help. We're not self-sufficient. We need help. We need assistance. True? And so the Quran asked, well, what, what was the matter with you then? That you don't help each other. Something Something's wrong. Right. Something, something intervened right. in our cultivation, our development, right. that corrupted us, that warped us. So, why is it that we don't have a Chinatown? I mean, a, a Africa town. You got a Chinatown. You got a Koreatown. Everyone else got their own enclaves. They got their own section where they all are engaged in helping one another. You go to the Jewish doctor who is sending you to the Jewish specialist, who is sending you to the Jewish lawyer, who is sending you to the Jewish um, retailer. Right? I mean, so they all help one another. There's a, there was a, you know, it happens. So sometimes we... You, you get tired of having to go to the Korean merchant to buy your hair, to buy your beauty goods, right? Are you offended? I said hair. This is kind of an aside. I'm just going to share with you my ignorance, right? I, for the longest, I thought that was Beyonce's real hair. And someone said, Brother Helene, that's not her hair. That's a weave, brother. I mean, it's a very expensive weave. Should be a lot of money for it, right? But that's a, a weave, brother. I, I didn't know, right? And just like the Jews before them, the Koreans have gotten rich off of our dollars. So they set up these shops, beauty supplies, hair supplies. And if one of us goes to you know, set up one, what they do, they, because they also are the, not only are they the retailers, but they're the wholesalers. And if you or I were to set up a, a retail shop, they would make the price so high for us that we couldn't compete. 
Because they don't want us to compete with their Korean brother. So they put us out of business because they have enough sense to know they're going to help one another. True? So, what's, what's, what's wrong with us? Well, something happened to us. This slave experience that we went through was unprecedented in human history. Others have suffered. I'm not trying to suggest that no one else has suffered and we have a monopoly on suffering because that's, that's silly. Of course other people have, have suffered, but what we suffered was and is unparalleled right. and unprecedented right. in human history. One of the signs of how what happened to us, no one else has gone through, just look at your name. Your names. Jones. Smith. O'Reilly. O'Kelly. O'Toole. O'Fool. Over the river, through the woods. Here we are. Mr. White, black as an ace of spades, Mr. White. And here's the other thing, we don't even think twice about it. In fact about it, many of us get offended if you even question it, if you even raise it. Now, here's my brother from China. And you ask him his name. Sir, what is your name? My name is Leroy Jones. I'm sorry, sir? What's your name? My name is Leroy Jones. Did something happen? Did you? Are you adopted? I mean, because you know ain't no Asian Leroy Jones. If you were to ask your, your brother and sister, your black brother and sister, sir, ma'am, what is your name? And he said, my name is Ling Ching Wu. <laughs> Ling Ching Wu? And you ask the same question, are you adopted? What, what happened? Because you know something, someone must have intervened in your brother's cultural reality. Because we're not Ling Ching Woos, and your Asian brother is not Leroy Jones. But we got no problem with these names. None. But what it is, it's a sign, an indicator of how thorough our destruction has been as a people, how thoroughly turned upside down and inside out that we've been and in the scriptures both the Bible and the Quran they describe this condition in these words the dead the dead the honorable Elijah Muhammad was told by his savior by his teacher our savior he was given the most difficult job of any man who ever lived any man any man 
Why was this job so difficult, Elijah? Because he had the job of raising the dead to life. You may think this is hyperbole. You may think this is exaggeration. But the prophets weren't exaggerating. The degree of difficulty with us, it is like you going going to the closest cemetery or the farthest and your loved one is buried and you go call them, John, Cindy, I'm talking to you. Come to me, talk to me. Doesn't that sound silly? Doesn't that sound like a, a, a exercise in futility? Well, that's the way it's been with us as a people. We're very, very difficult. We are like the dead. In fact, we are the dead. We are the blind, the deaf, and the dumb in the scriptures. Not the physical blind, not the physical deaf or the physical dumb, but that's us spiritually. That's our condition as a people, and we are the dead as a people. And because we are the dead as a people, then we do things like dead people do. And one thing that dead people do is stink. They got a stench. They smell. You ever smell dead things before? Yeah, you yeah. have. Some of y'all know you. Dead mouse. Dead rats. They get caught in the in the in the walls and they die and they let out a stench that is god awful. You can tell the dead stuff. It stinks. And our behavior not only stinks in the civilized world, our behavior stinks in the nostril of God. Stinks. happened to us in slavery. And so now help becomes not only, see if God gives help, the enemy now has the opposite of help. The Savior told us, said like this, he gave us these lessons and he says, he says it in one of these lessons, he says the Muslims were very poor when they first started to teach Islam. And all contribution was given to Allah's apostle for him and his family support. And what the apostle could spare, he gave to help take care of the poor Muslims. They weren't able to help themselves. And the other part were given to those who were confined to the labor of Islam. And soon there arose an argument among the hypocrites about the use of the money because they thought that they should share equally with the apostle. Right. And then we're told that the enemy then tried to stop every Muslim from helping the apostle and said he should be killed. See, that's the definition of an enemy. An enemy not only won't help you, but an enemy won't let anybody else help you. So enemy here is, de is defined by their willingness or unwillingness to help you. 
So they won't do it. And when they find someone else who wants to help you, they become now a barrier for that. The Honorable Elijah, I'm told the minister, he said, he told him, stop using the word devil. And he said, use these three words instead. He said, Satan, slave master's children, and the enemy. And the reason why, because he wanted his minister, and by extension, he wanted the nation to, to mature in our expression of what we're dealing with. And so now we are dealing with an enemy. And this enemy not only won't help you, but don't want anyone else to help you at the same time. Jews have given this mythology that somehow in and during the slave period of America, they give the impression that we were co-sufferers in, in slavery. Jews suffered. Black people suffered. The reason why the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and his cadre of researchers are so hated is because they are busting up that myth. Letting you know these are lies. The truth of the matter is that Jews were, are the beneficiaries of our slave experience. The truth of the matter is they were knee deep in the slave trade on every level. From the boats to insuring the boats to the, the, the plantations to buying the slaves, to marketing the products from the, that from the, uh, the plantations, to being the consumers of it. Every single element in the, in the slave experience, Jews in particular benefited from it. They benefited. They didn't help us. And then when others tried to help us, they stopped everyone from helping us. This is true. For example, do you all remember the dope busters? Yes, sir. Do you remember them? Yes, sir. So the kind of savage existence that many of these our people live in projects is the direct result of the legacy of slavery. Right. I mean, this is not, it didn't happen in a vacuum. And so what happened in the Mayfair mansions, these are projects in, in D.C. that the residents saw that when the FOI would come with the papers, all the gang drug activity would recede. It would go away. And when the brothers left, it would come back again. So they weren't, didn't take a wise man to see, well, let's have the brothers there all the time. And they got contracts, government contracts, to be there. And, and then not only did Mayfair Mansions benefit from the presence of the FOI, but then other 
similar kinds of projects saw what the FOI were doing and the brothers were getting contracts all over the country and not just projects, then corporate America saw the benefit of the FOI, FedEx, others. They said, well, listen, these brothers who don't even have guns were able to then produce a kind of effect that those who had guns, those who had weapons weren't able to produce. Well, what did we do? Why were we able to do what we did? We loved our people. And out of love for our people, we were able then to become more effective in securing them. But check out what happened. Jews. I'm not being, I'm, I'm not trying to, to be what they call anti-Semitic. I'm giving actual facts. They uh, uh, prevailed on the government to cut us loose from these contracts. They didn't care about the condition of our people. They didn't care whether we live in a, our, our women and children, our elderly, live in a state of absolute insecurity and madness. That was irrelevant to them. That was, it didn't make a difference. All they cared about was getting Farrakhan. All they cared about was cutting off his area of support. If they couldn't get Farrakhan, they get those who were with him. True? And they prevailed on Congress to cut the funding. They posed themselves as a real enemy. They wouldn't help us and wouldn't let anyone else help us. It is. They talk about we anti-Semitic. We have a greater argument to show they're anti-black. We have a stronger argument Help. Help. So they won't help. They won't help. Did you know that the NAACP, it was not founded by black people? It wasn't us. And when NAACP was founded by Jews. The NAACP did not get their first president until 1975. Black president, Black president sorry. <laughs> until 1975. And one of the founders of the NAACP was a man whose last name was two brothers, one named Spinyard. And Joel Spinyard, it was found out later that he was a spy for the United States government. And he would spy on black people. He's supposed to be helping us. He's spying on us. Isn't that something? These people are ruthless. These people don't play fair at all. Not only that, but here at the NAACP, I don't know what year was founded. Does anyone know, remember what year was founded? NAACP does not own one business. They own one farm. And that's not by accident. Because 
the founders of the NAACP, they would not have the black people venturing into pooling our resources, going into business with one another. And you know why? Because they would see us as a rival, as a competitor. 1909. So this is now over 100 years and to this day. And not only that, but the NAACP still calls itself the NAACP. After over 100 years, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, even it does, even the biggest Uncle Tom don't call himself colored no more. True? Even the most entrenched Thomasina, she don't call herself colored no more. But what they did with us, they steered us in a direction where we were, we would never be a rival economically because they understood that business is warfare. And they understood that if you start talking about the Negroes helping each other now, support one another now, that's going to be the death for them. Because they set up all these little mom and pop stores in the black community. The way the Koreans and the Arabs are now, that's the way the Jews were with us. So you couldn't have you know, Tyrone, Tyrone's Ungao Black Power Delhi next to Hiram's. True? They weren't going to have that. Was that, was that wrong to say Ungao Black Power? <laughs> I would too. So they would see it as a rival. They, they, and, and they had enough sense to know. So if you had an MBA, the MBA didn't teach us to go uh, build up our own businesses to compete with theirs. If we had an MBA, our MBA in most cases taught us how to become better employees for them. We go to their businesses. We go to their establishments. We go work for them. We become better helpers for them, but not better helpers for ourselves. What's the matter with you? That you don't help one another. That you help not one another. Oh, okay. Well, you can't minimize the impact that slavery had on us. And not only had, but is having on us. And white folk, I mean, they really did and do, are very, were very effective and are very effective in keeping us in a state where we don't help one another. And this is why what we saw in Alabama was so thrilling to us. But as it was thrilling to us, 
White folk are scared. That. So one side of the spectrum, black folk. <laughs> On the other side, alarm. I saw a similar kind of a response, black and white. One, I remember in 1995, the O.J. Simpson. When it was, that verdict came down. Black folk, which, you remember when they, they were outside the courthouse and the verdict was announced and black folk were cheering and white folk took that as a sign that they were happy that O.J. Simpson got away with murder, but that's not why what black folk were, were, were cheering. They weren't cheering that O.J. got away with murder. They were cheering that it appeared to them, it appeared to us, that finally the, level, the playing field was level. And that the courts would have been the lynching trees that white folk have used. They couldn't use it this time. And white folk were enraged, angry. And to this day, they're still angry at OJ. Feel mad with this dude. 35 years later, they're still upset with OJ. They make movies about it. Series about it. Yes, sir. About OJ. Documented. Oh, brother. Okay. So, that what took place in Alabama yes, is a sign yes, that the dead are coming to life. Right. Yes, sir. It's a sign. Right. A sign. And when you start seeing wholesale black folk helping one another, wholesale, yes. it's over with. It's over with. At that point, we are free at that point. At that point now, then we become alive as a people. At that point, we put all those things aside, all those barriers that white folk have put before us, Christians against Muslims, young against old, light-skinned against dark-skinned, male against female, West Coast against East Coast, Western Hemisphere against the Eastern Hemisphere, all those things become irrelevant. They become immaterial. When we see each other as one, then we become free as a people. When we, when we help one another. So, what I would like to do, I want to just read something from the Quran. And then we call it a day. So, one, well, oh, before I go to this, I want to make it clear that Allah always comes to the help of the righteous. Always. In the Quran, it says it is incumbent upon us to help the believers. Yes, sir. One day, look up the word incumbent. It's incumbent upon us. It's the, Allah says, I'm duty bound. It is a requirement for me. Yes. Sometimes it may not appear like it. 
Because sometimes the help of Allah appears to be so far away. You ever had moments in your life when you're wondering, you know, where, how, how am I getting out of this? I like to describe it like this. You're hanging on by a thread, but the thread is greased. You see light at the end of the tunnel? Oh, praise be to Allah, it's finally coming. But that you find out it's an oncoming train. You ever had those moments before? And it looks hopeless. Well, the prophets, they kind of went through similar experiences where they're wondering when Allah's help going to come. But the Quran says, but the messenger and those who believe with him, they said, now surely the help of Allah is near. It's near. Throughout the Quran, it talks about how God would intervene with the prophets as a sign to the believers to let you know he's going to come to your help too. The Quran says, and Job, when he cried to his Lord, distress has afflicted me. And thou art the most merciful of those who give mercy. And they say to him, and then God, Allah replies to them, and we responded to him. And we gave him his people and the like of those with him. A reminder to him and to the worshipers. And Ishmael and Idris and Dulkefer, all were the patient ones. And we admitted them to our mercy. Surely they were the good ones. And Dulkefer, when he went away in wrath and he thought that we wouldn't straighten him and he cried among afflictions, glory be to thee, there is no God but thou. Responded him to him, and we delivered him from grief, and thus do we deliver the righteous. Yes, sir. And John, when he cried to his Lord, My Lord, leave me not alone, and thou art the best of inheritors. And we responded to him, and we gave him John, and made his white wife for him. Surely they called upon us hoping and fearing and they were humble before us. Letting you know I responded to Job. I responded to Ishmael. I responded to Idris. I responded to Dul Kiffer. I responded to John. I responded to Job. I responded to, to Noah. I responded to Jesus. I responded to David. I responded to Solomon. I responded to all of them to let you know I'm going to respond to you. The help of Allah is coming. It's near. Are you all okay? That's very comforting for the righteous. Let you know, Allah, it's incumbent on me. That's why the Quran says you got to have no doubt in the book. Because if you got no doubt in it, and Allah tells you it's incumbent upon him, and you believe that. See, how does the one who has doubt about that, uncertain about that, how does that person compare with the person who has no doubt about that? Who knows, believes, has confidence. It's incumbent upon Allah to come to help me. And the one who's shaky with that. 
These are two different kind of people. Two different kind of mindsets. Okay. How loss comes. Now, so Allah's help, and I'm going to just read some things about for us, and then we can get out of here. This is the fifth surah, second chapter. Allah says this, and help one another in righteousness and piety, and help not one another in sin and transgression, and keep your duty to Allah. Surely Allah is severe in requiting evil. So here Allah is telling you, it, now for those of us who remember in school, remember in English, some of us went, you know, school was not a very, was not a very pleasant experience. Um, but if you remember in English, there are certain kinds of sentences. So there are, there are in, in interrogatories, in other words, questions, give statements, but then there's also command sentences. Command. Here Allah says, help one another. That's a command. That's not, well, in English, they call those kind of sentences either command sentence or imperative sentences. It's a command and it's imperative. Help one another. This is not an object of debate or negotiation. Help one another. I'm giving you a command. Help one another. See, Allah in the Quran tells us, in both the Bible and the Quran, see, he's not just God, he is that, but he's also a military warrior. In the Bible, it says that the Lord is a man of war. In the Bible, in the 37th chapter of the book of Ezekiel, there were these dry bones in the valley. And these dry bones, they say they were, these bones were kind of unique because these bones were talking to each other. <laughs> communicating with each other. And they were engaged in conversation. And some of us are so spooky. We just drive to Spookville when it comes to religion. But they were talking. And the scripture says that God told the Son of Man to go prophesy on the bones. He does, they rattling, they're rolling, but they don't, that's about it. It's kind of like us. The minister talked to us, we rattle and roll, we clap and we shake, but that's about it. And so after the rattling and the rolling and the shaking, now he goes back to the God and says, I did it. I prophesied. He said, okay, well, listen, prophesy on the winds. And when the winds hit the bones, now the bones come to life. See, talking, preaching, you got the best preacher, that we got the best preacher that God has ever raised among us. The Apple Lewis Farrakhan is peerless. He is, has no rival. You can never say I never understood. Now with that man, 
maybe with myself, maybe with Brother Imam, maybe with Brother Tony, maybe with others, you can say, I don't understand. But Louis Farrakhan, you can't come with that weak stuff. He is clear as crystal. He's clear as rainwater. But even with his clear teaching, we still won't respond properly. So now the winds got to come. And what the winds is, the winds represent trials, difficulty. The winds represent white folk who ain't trying to hear it no more. It represents, like in Florida, my brother Tony in Florida, you can't even talk about black history no more. <laughs> they say you got to take this sanitized vision of, 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 of black history you got to talk about the benefits of slavery these are the winds that's rocking us and when the winds came the scripture says that the, now the bones came to life and they became an exceedingly great army an army. And when the army is, is cultivated, raised, developed, formulated, you give the army orders. Left face. Right face. About face. You're preparing people to go to war. See, a lot of you, you love the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. You love the teachings, but what you are hesitant in what you are resistant in, in submitting to is discipline, is order, because you still love that world. You're still attracted to it. Yeah, I, I love Farrakhan, but ain't nobody telling me to go left face and right face. We're just crazy people. We just crazy people. But he's going to give orders. God will give orders. Jesus, in the Bible, he met this, this commander. And I think his commander, the, his, his daughter was dead or sick. And Jesus, they're having a conversation. And he says, when I tell men to do this, they do it. Tell them to go here, they go there. And Jesus marvels. Because my people, I tell them to do something, they just give me a hard time. That's us. Stiff-necked, hard-hearted, and rebellious. You tell us to go up, we go down. You tell us to go left, we go. That's the nature. That's, the, that's not our nature. That's the way white folk have made us. Just rebels. He gave orders. And God gives orders. Help one another. I'm not giving you now. This is not negotiation. I'm, I'm the commanding officer. And I'm giving you an order. Help one another. Help in what? First, in righteousness. First thing. Help in... Oh, I lost about 50% of you already. We give a lot of lip service to righteousness. But, and, and you know, and you got to be honest now, a lot of us 
part of our issue is that even though we call it hell and white folk world, we still kind of like it. We do. And we, we like the kind of funk. Now, I don't know about now, I don't really know today's music, but back in the day with me, 70s, 80s, that was my music time. Funk was almost every song. And now, and many groups had funk in their name. Remember the Funkadelic? You remember them? <laughs> Dr. Funkenstein. <laughs> Confunction. <laughs> and we had funk in our music. We had, I think it was Roy Ayers or somebody, had a song called Freak the Freak the Funk. <laughs> I didn't know what that means. I had that means. And, and then, of course, you know, um, if it wasn't funk, it was freak. So those two adjectives were almost every song. Yes, sir. Freak and funk. <laughs> and we loved it because we knew the freaks come out at night. And we weren't just regular freaks. We weren't normal freaks. What kind of freaks were we? Super freaks. And, and so now, here are people like this. And, and so I, I don't know what it's like now. Well, back in my day, so when, 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 the, when a, a slow song would come on and they go on the dance floor, yes, sir. It, it was back then, you know, y'all need to go get a room. Because <laughs> what y'all doing right now in the public should be in the private someplace. And consequently, the idea of righteousness has gotten so low. Yes, sir. And today, yes, sir. It, it, it's criminal. Yes, sir. Today it's like savage people. Yes, sir. In the music, yes, sir. in our display, yes, sir. in our clothes. Yes, sir. Savage. Yes. And and the back a little bit, it's a little bit formative, but not too much for my time. So, you know, you had groups like, remember the Supremes? Yeah. The Marvelettes? Yes, sir. And so even what they would call themselves was very dignified. Now, the language that they refer to each other. And in this context, trying to tell people to be righteous, the Quran says to help one another in righteousness. Now, dear family, 
Sometimes when you get help, you ask for help, sometimes the fulfillment of the help may not look the way you think it should be. I need some help. What do you need? Well, I, I need some money. You need some money. Okay. Well, so sometimes loved ones will help financially. But then there's sometimes that may not be the best help for you. Because, you know, we keep having this recurring problem. Yes, sir. All of us need help sometimes. Right. We all do. But sometimes when the help is not really help for you, right. it really just kind of enables us. And it doesn't force us to change our behavior, our course of action. We keep doing the same thing over and over. I think it was Einstein who defined that as insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and then expecting the same results. Well, so if I keep doing that for you and there's no change in behavior, I'm not helping you. It's not good for you. In the Quran, Abraham is asking Allah for wisdom. He says, my Lord, grant me wisdom. Who wants to go through life foolish? Even a fool doesn't want to be foolish. We all want to make wise decisions. You're confronted with something. You're confronted with, with, with some dilemma. And you want to know, well, how do I navigate this? I want to make a wise decision. So the Quran, like Abraham, like you, like me, we say, my Lord, grant me wisdom. You want some help? Wisdom. Well, how do you think Allah is going to bring you the wisdom? I think it's going to happen. See, I know what you think. You think that someone is going to have a magic wand say about five Hail Marys over you, right? Or they say, you know, say five talk beers, and you got a wisdom. And we so spooky, right? And some of y'all right now saying, is that how you get it? I'm okay. But here's, here's for the minister how you get wisdom. Allah gives you problems. So it's not that you put encyclopedias and your Quran and your Bible and you sleep on it at night and then when you wake up, all of a sudden you got wisdom. It doesn't work like that. See, you don't think that the thing that you're looking for, the thing that you want, is not necessarily going to take the form you, you think it's going to take. So you want wisdom, okay, I'm going to give you wisdom, but the, the means by which you get the wisdom, that means may appear to be, on the one hand, may appear to be uh, uh, strange, it may appear to be at odds, but what happens is when you got the problem and you solve the problem, and in solving the problem, you gain wisdom. You want help? You want help? Okay. 
But the help may not look the way you think it's going to help. Right. 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 We all need help. Yes, sir. I need help. Yes, sir. I remember, who was it? Oh, my brother, my brother Mark. He's my brother from Syracuse. He's our study group coordinator. And he, he shared this experience with me. So Brother Akbar had called him and asked him would he be a journalist, one journalist to go to Sudan. And because they were, you know, remember when that whole issue with the Sudan and white folk were talking about the slavery. And it looked, like, it looked as if they were trying now to create an environment for some kind of intervention, military or otherwise. Yes, sir. Right. And why? Because the Sudan got a lot of oil. Right. A lot of riches. Yes, sir. So when you see white folk dealing like that, it's not because altruistically, there's always some motive. Yes, sir. And they use righteous motives to shield dirty religion. Right. And so he called Brother Mark, and Brother Mark said, uh, well, I got to ask the minister if I can go. And he called the minister. Could he go? The minister said, yes. Yes, brother. And not only did the minister say yes to him, but the minister also gave him some money to go. And I, I said, well, that wasn't my experience. <laughs> I remember one time, I'm, I'm, there was, you know, in Libya, so Libya would, Colonel Gaddafi would have yearly, I don't know what it's called, but this kind of yearly event, and revolutionaries from all over the globe would come to this. The minister wouldn't go every year, but he would go sometime. I think Brother Akbar would go quite a bit. And there was a brother from Montreal, and I forgot his name. He wasn't, he wasn't a registered believer, but he was a brother from Montreal. And his father was a friend of the minister and a friend of Brother Akbar. His father, friend of Gaddafi, would go all the time to this event. Right? And he asked me, he said, Brother, do you want to go? I said, yeah, I want to go. Shoot, yeah, I want to go. My expenses is covered. I get a chance to go to, you know, I've never been to Africa. I get a chance to go to Africa to see this, right? So I asked the minister, you know, Brother Minister, can I go to Africa and see this? He said, no, you can't go. <laughs> he said, save your own money and go. <laughs> and then he started explaining as to why. I said, dear father, you don't have to explain. Nothing to explain. Because I know whatever it is, you're not trying to hurt me. You're not trying to crush me. And so I never knew the full expect because I didn't have to explain. Was I disappointed? Of course I was. Absolutely. But I knew, even though I perhaps didn't think about it clearly as that whole transaction was taking place, I knew he was helping me. It was a form that I didn't, you know, I didn't know, but I knew he was helping me. 
Sometimes when you get help, it may not come in the manner, in the way you expect it, but it's help for you. It's help. So, so now the Quran's giving a command to the believers. Help one another first in righteousness. First thing, in righteousness. Now, a part of helping in righteousness is helping people to appreciate the value of the law. To recognize the law is not your enemy. Yes, the law is your friend. Yes, in fact, about it, it is inconceivable, incomprehensible. You can talk about being righteous and then leave the law out. I mean, it doesn't even make sense. So if you're going to be among the righteous, if I'm going to help you with the being righteous, that means now i got to help you to appreciate divine law. The minister wrote a letter to a study guy. Study guy was called study guy number 14, the law of God. And he wrote this in the letter. He said, true leadership in the nation. Sometimes you got people in the nation of Islam who, are, who have a title. So they have institutional leadership. And you have those who are in the mosque. They don't have a title as such, but they got leadership because they exercise tremendous influence. It's still leadership. Yes, sir. And the minister said that proper leadership, come on, come on. proper leadership in the nation of Islam is that which teaches loyalty to first our savior, Master Fahd Muhammad. Two, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Three, the law. And four to myself. That's the minister talking about. So you can't talk about being in the leadership in the nation and you don't teach loyalty to the law. If we don't do this, we're not helping each other in righteousness. We're not helping each other, Brother Tony. Help each other. Come on. Come on. So, I, I'm, I'm going to give you an example, and you may think I'm exaggerating this. So, there's someone who I know got married, and it became very clear real fast, this marriage wasn't going to last. I mean, fast. I'm not, and I'm, when I say fast, I'm not talking about months or years. I mean, fast. And I'm going to just stop right there. Dear family, dear brothers and sisters, our vetting of potential marriage candidates, it many times needs a lot of work. I, it's stunning to me
I'm, I'm talking about, in some cases, weeks. In some cases, days. Days. That's, that's astounding to me. And so there was someone I knew who, who got that kind of situation. And, but the spouse, the spouse, I apologize. I have no idea what that means. But the spouse, the spouse, you know, was kind of financially okay. Yes, sir. And, but the, the bride, there were people who were telling including believers were telling her just stay in that situation you go find somebody because they got a little piece of change and you go so stay with that it was, it was going to be a sham wedding a sham marriage so just you know do what you got and you go find somebody so you just take care of that and find somebody See, that's not helping each other in righteousness. I mean, it's the total opposite. There was, there was someone, these examples I'm giving, I'm not making them up. I'm not making them up. I, I was, it's back east, and it was a brother. I won't tell you who it is. Most of you would know this person, very high-profile person. And he saw an MGD. He, he's, he's a registered believer. And when he saw her, he made no attempt to, to in any way mask what his thinking was. And as God is my judge, I forgot he was married. I forgot. Yes. Who was that? Yes. Who was that? If I, had no, if I had the presence of mind, which I didn't at the time, I would say, it ain't your wife. Right. <laughs> Whoever it is, ain't her. Mama. I'll give one last example. <laughs> I'm being very careful because I, I want to make, if I say too much, some of you might. And I don't want to say it, right? And, but I'm, I'm only sharing these because I, I, know, I, I know some of us are kind of uncomfortable when these kind of examples are given among the believers. Yes, 
And, and, and we kind of think that we're kind of sharing our dirty laundry in front of everybody. So some people, they kind of disagree. What I'm doing right now, they kind of disagree with this. And I, and I respect their opinion. I'm not, I'm not dismissing that at all. I'm not invalidating it. And, I, and, and there could be a good argument for that. No, really, there could be a good argument for it. Right? But a part of why I do it is because I want those of you who are looking at the nation, in my judgment, the teachings is absolutely perfect. That's my opinion. Right? Now, the people may not necessarily be that. And the people who are embraces have their struggles too. And there are degrees of struggle. So I don't want to give you a false impression that either myself or those of us who have these beautiful garments on or those brothers with the beautiful uniforms or, the, or these wonderful suits, I don't want to give you the impression, the false impression that we've arrived because we haven't. We haven't. Now, I do believe this, despite what I just said, I do believe in the nation, despite all of our challenges, I believe we have, there's a community, a group of people who are striving. Yes, sir. But they're striving. We haven't arrived, we're striving. And there is a law in the nation that violation or transgression of the law produces consequences. Lying, stealing, fornication, adultery, gambling, drinking, smoking. These are things that tear up a community. And there's a consequence in the nation. So, last example. There was another high-profile individual. And they did something I, 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 I didn't think was, didn't look good. Yes, sir. Didn't look good. Yes, sir. Didn't look good at all. And so, I would, I'm not quite sure when I was born. I think I was born at night. I know, I know the date. I'm talking about the time now. I think, <laughs> I, I may have been born at night, but I wasn't born last night. <laughs> and so the, the, this individual, I'm, I'm looking, and there was a sister. She wasn't registered. And I, I'm looking the way she's looking at him. And she's looking at him as if there's something meaningful in this relationship. I'm, I'm looking. And, and he's raising money. At the mosque. And 
Now, I, I, I know her. I know her. And so he's raising money. He's calling the name of this one and calling the name of that one, the people who gave. And when she raised her money to give, he couldn't remember her name. He asked me, what's her name? I know her name. I couldn't remember. That was a lie. I couldn't remember it, though. And I saw the look on her face. She was devastated because she thought there was something meaningful. Help each other in righteousness. And some of you sisters, some of you, I make it very clear, sisters, in the nation, we, we don't have more than one wife. And some of these brothers may come to you with that. Talking to you about, you know, in Islam. <laughs> now, that is true in Islam. We do have more than one wife in Islam. In the nation of Islam. So, dear brothers, if you want that kind of life, you can do it, but not here. And dear sisters, don't you be so foolish and so silly to go and give yourself over. So he ain't got the moral authority foundation. Chances are he ain't got the financial foundation. If I was a betting man, I'm, I don't gamble. If I was a betting man, he barely handling one wife. Barely, if that. You got to ask her, how, how, how is he doing with you? How much time you got? So we, we help each other in, in, in righteousness. Right. Help each other. Yes, sir. See, I know, I know that sometimes you don't want to hear it. Right. Me too, sometimes. I, I don't want to hear it. Sometimes I got a course on my mind what I want to do, and I don't want to hear it. I'm going to take, a, I'm gonna take a, a, a relatively innocent example. Right? I say relatively because, you know, examples, I think it makes the point. So you got diabetes. And you know you shouldn't be eating that cake, <laughs> that ice cream, but your mind is made up. Right. Uh, listen, and they tell you, you know, listen, Laquisha, you need that cake alone. You know it's not good for you. But your mind is made up. I don't want to hear. I'm about to get busy on that cake. Leave me alone. Sometimes we don't want to hear it. And sometimes, dear brothers and sisters, you got your mind made up and you don't want to hear it. 
You don't hear it. The Quran says it like this. The Quran doesn't say don't fornicate. You know what the Quran says? Don't go near fornication. A little stronger. Don't go under conditions that now create the environment. So, dear sister, dear brother, so one, if he's taking you home, sister, he don't sit in the front seat. He sits in the back seat. And then when he drops you off, you don't go talking about it like a cup of coffee. Listen, I, there's something in the Quran I don't understand. Can you show it to me? Can, can you help me out here to understand? And you say, well, I'll come in, but are we not supposed to? But if it's for coffee and Quran, then I'll make an exception here, right? And the lights are dimmed. <laughs> and now it, it, it really, at a certain point, it's a point of no return. And sometimes we find ourselves in a position, and before you went there, brother, before you went there, sister, they said, don't do this. But you didn't want to hear it. Yes, sir. Because deep in your mind, you knew what you wanted to do. Yes, sir. You knew it. Yes, sir. Brother Halim, I'm lonely. I'm looking for a man. I, I, I'm not making mockery. I understand. I'm not making mockery. I do. Who wants to be alone? No one does. And brother, of course, you know, you're looking for companionship. I get it. I do. I'm not insensitive. I understand it. But I do believe that you would make a, a very big mistake. I can't tell you. Do a little survey of those marriages. When they fall apart, you'd be stunned how often they broke the law. Yes, sir. Before they did it. Yes, sir. You'd be stunned. And there's a saying, sister, about him, why would he buy the cow if you give him the milk for free? That's not wise. And these, you see, in a world like this, where they make, where they make uh, this kind of free-flowing among the sexes, it's encouraged. There's no moral law. Help one another in righteousness. The movies, the music. Dear brothers, in, in our, our 
restrictive law, there's certain things that the messenger, he told us not to do because if you do it, it's going to cause some problems. And one of those was don't look at the movements of women. Yeah. Yes, sir. Right? Yes, sir. Man, it's hard. Phoenix, I mean, it's hot outside and the sisters come half naked. True? And brother, you out there with the paper? It is, I mean, you have to be an extraordinary man. Exercise an extraordinary discipline. And then sisters, you kind of know, you, some of you know him, you know you're kind of at a disadvantage. And so when you come to the mosque, well, you, got a, you got a garment on. You got a garment on, right? But it's so tight and so form-fitting. And, you, and your mind, listen, I, I got to level the playing field, Brother Halim. This is the way we are. This is the way we are. I, I, to me, now, I love the way the sisters look when they, when they look so, there's something to be said about when you hide the beauty. Something to be said. It's God's my judge. I was looking at Sister Aisha. She came in the office back there, and she looks so beautiful. I love, I love, I love the cape that those sisters wear. I love the, I think they look so beautiful. I do. And, and the sister, when she's out there in shorts and thighs and, and, and legs and bust all over the place, right? If you're a natural man, you look. True? <laughs> it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. But the Quran says, help each other in righteousness. Right. One of the things you help each other, brother, when you, when we, if we go on door to door at the papers, you can't let that brother go by himself. No. That's not a good move. Right. Let me get ready to close this up. I remember going to Columbus, and we're in Columbus, Ohio, with the papers. And there was this woman, she was, she came to the door uh, with a brawl. And I, I don't think she had pants on, I think it was her panties. Right? And she's just talking as if everything is okay. And I'm like, we all see it now. All of us, we see this, right? Look at this. And I, I don't know what the brother's thinking about, therefore why? At the door. With, the, with this woman with brawn panties on. I, I mean, and he didn't go no place. And if my poor brother was by himself, it may not end it very well. You gotta help one another. In righteousness, you got to help one another. 
So let me close with this thought. Yes, sir. So in my judgment, the Honorable Mr. Farrakhan's value to us is immeasurable. Yes, sir. It's invaluable. Yes, sir. I've been trying to be with this man for over 40 years now. And his emphasis on righteousness, he never deviates from this. He never swerves from this. His absolute conviction to us that our salvation lies in our obedience to Allah. That's him. Anything other than that is, is, is insufficient. And we have to be reminders of one another. Anything other than that is insufficient. So I, I know there are there are some who want to kind of circumvent all this. But the Quran says help each other. So, sister, if there's a brother that you're kind of interested in, or vice versa, if you're going to go out together, right, the minister said, find a chaperone. Right. Yes, sir. Right. Get a chaperone. Yes, sir. A husband and wife. Right. Yes, sir. And so, and brother, you, you got to pay for it now. You're paying for her. Y'all go to dinner, and you pay for the chaperone. Yes, sir. Well, I can't afford it. Well, you can't afford the court then. <laughs> you, 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 but what the chaperone does, it helps you to help one another in righteousness. You should be very careful about social media. You, you, you DMing one another, and you're getting real, you ain't crossed the line, but you're getting real close to it. Well, what are you wearing today? What you like today? I really like it when you wear that, that garment you had on. You look really, really nice with that on. See, now, now, now we're getting real kind of close. And you go to a movie, rated R, and you, you know some of the content, and you want to see what kind of response you get. And that's why you should have a chaperone. Because what you're going to watch, what you're going to talk about, it's sisters now and brothers. If you, if you want to give yourself a better chance of making it, the Honorable Elijah said, the, Whatever the laws were in the beginning of something, the creation of something, determines its nature. So at the beginning of the laws in the courtship, in the marriage, is obedience to God. That determines the nature. If the relationship was disobedience, now you are necessarily putting up barriers for yourself. Help each other in righteousness. Last point, dear sister, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said 75% of his work was with you. He's crazy. 
going to work with you because, see, if you stood strong, you forced him to stay strong. Right? Now, sister, he's going to come with a lot of stuff. And when they get a little consciousness, they got, that now their stuff is a little more intelligent. So he looks in your eyes. Hold it, hold it. He's talking to you. Hold it. What's, what's wrong? There was a moment. It was fleeting. But there was a moment. And the way the sun hit your eyes, it reminded me of the Nile River. And, and you, my Nubian princess, you, 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 have the character of Queen and Zynga. And here you are like, and you go for the old okie doke, warmed over in consciousness. Sister, you gotta help him. You gotta close the door. Sister, he ain't going to class. He's not going to class. He's not working. And when the captain calls, you lying for him. Or he lying and you covering for him. That's good. No, it's not good. Because what's going to happen in time, he's going to be a problem for you. Right. If he ain't going to class, I'm telling you, sister, he's going to be a problem for you. In a little while, I'm telling you. You got two options, one or both. Either one, you tell him, I'm going to call the captain. You just lied. I'm going to tell him, you're sitting here watching the basketball game. Now he's a little hot now. Or the other one, sister. Either one can be very effective, but you got, with the call and the counting, you can't wait too late. You got to do it kind of early because you wait too long. At a certain point, he don't even care no more. But the other one, he, he, he may care regardless. And the other one, if he don't act right, you close the pocketbook. And I'm not talking about your purse. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's all right. You got a lot of power. A lot of power. And God comes, sister, to give you your power back. Help us. Help him in righteousness. To get his stuff together. Get our stuff together. Don't be weak. Don't fall in. Don't give in. Don't cave in. Help us in righteousness. Does that make sense? Now, he mad at me now, sister. 
I'm looking. So y'all are smiling. But now you're looking like brother. I don't believe you're doing this, brother. You are the righteous, the best, and the powerful. The Savior said like this. He said, the righteous nation is now living in every part of the planet Earth. Therefore, the enemy must not be removed in the part of the planet. He asked the question, well, why do, you, why do we run Yaqub and his made devil from the root of civilization? Because what about righteous brothers? No, no, excuse me. We said because, the right, because they started making trouble among the righteous people telling lies. They accused the righteous people causing the fight and to kill one another. Well, why do we take Jerusalem from the devil? Because one of our righteous brothers was buried there. He asked the question, well, what is, what is the uh, duty of the civilized? To teach the uncivilized people who are savage, civilization, righteousness. Who is the poor, who is the 5% in the poor part of the earth? They are the poor, righteous teachers. But tell us what the devil teaches the 85% that the God is a righteous and unseen being. Allah is the God in the heavens above and the earth below and is just and is true but there is no unrighteousness in him. Well why did God make devil? To show forth his power. He's all wise and righteous. Well what is his own self? His own self is a righteous Muslim. Are there any Muslims other than righteous? I beg your pardon? I have never heard of one. So let's get back to being the righteous. Let's be ourselves. Let's help each other in righteousness. And I greet you with the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. <laughs>